Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, family of God, I want to make a declaration. Are you ready? Before I share this word, I want to make a declaration. In Jesus' name, we are one week closer to victory over the virus. Come on, we've made another week. We're one week closer to victory over the virus. I'm not afraid of next week. I'm excited about next week. We're one week closer to defeating this virus. We're one week closer to our breakthrough. One week closer to schools open, business open, life moving back in line. This week is nothing to be afraid of. We're one week closer to victory over the virus. Uh, So I want to look in Psalm chapter 30 today to begin. Psalm the 30th chapter. I want to just show you this concept as we get started. I'm going to tell you right now, you could be, uh, we're not denying what's going on. That's why I'm sharing a message that's entitled, From Weeping to Rejoicing. We're going to learn how God takes what may, may be your toughest moment and actually turns it into a season of great breakthrough and celebration. That's what we're going to do. Psalm 30 and verse 1. Listen to this. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Can I tell you something? God's going to break the hold of the coronavirus, and it's not going to win. He's lifting us up. Verse 2 says, O Lord my God, I called to you for help. Are you ready? And you healed me. Come on, say amen to that. Oh, Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Come on. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. Now, watch this. For his anger lasts only a moment. Watch this. His favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night. As people of God, we face what other people face. We, we are in this real world. We, we are in, in being impacted by what's going on. It touches us, but it's not going to defeat us. We are dealing with it, but we are going to overcome it. This is how we fight our battles. Say it with me. This is how we win our battles. See, weeping <clears throat> may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Rejoicing comes in the morning. Hey, we're going to move from weeping to rejoicing. It's not going to be night forever. We have the dawn of the new day breaking on us, and so we're going to move from that. Then I drop down to verse 11 in Psalm 30. You turn my wailing into dancing. Come on. I'm going to tell you something. You better get ready. You better put your dancing shoes on. You better get your praise on because God's going to shift this thing from wailing to dancing. You remove my sackcloth. And you clothe me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. God has the ability to turn weeping into rejoicing. God has the power to step right into your toughest moment. So we don't have to deny what's going on. We don't have to hide from it. God's not afraid of it. He's going to step into this moment and he's going to shift it and turn it around. Think about Psalm 23, the great shepherd psalm. I I want you to think about a couple of verses here. Verse 4 says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, here we are. 
Here we are with all this news around us, and the Bible says, even though I walk through. Someone say, I'm walking through. Come on. I'm not living here. I'm not camping here. I'm not staying here. I'm walking through this. See, we're going to move from weeping to rejoicing. We're going to move from sorrow to dancing. And during the journey, God is with us. You get this? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on, say it. I have no fear. Come on, fear is defeated. I will fear no evil. Why? It's not just a, uh, an unfounded statement. It's not just something that's wishing and hoping and, and, and religious rhetoric. Why do we have no fear? For you are with me. He's with us right now. You're with me. See, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, say, there's food on my table. There's provision for me. In the presence of my enemies, God is providing. Well, I want to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Please turn there with me, and and I want to give you a quick illustration of what exactly that looks like. Weeping to rejoicing, sorrow to dancing. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We've studied this before. It's an amazing passage. It's an amazing account. And we've walked through this moment with David before. But today, there is a fresh application. There's a fresh insight that we're going to see. So so here we are. We're going to pick up the account in 1 Samuel 30. Now, where, where is David? How did he get to this place? As you know, as a young shepherd boy, God anointed David. The prophet Samuel came and poured the oil on his head and said, you'll be the next king. But from the place of his promise to the place of fulfillment, there was quite a journey. As David rose in popularity, as he killed the giant Goliath, as he led the armies of Israel, Saul, the current king, became jealous. Why? Because he was backslidden. Because the anointing of God and the presence of God had left his life. And the man whom David saved and served now was threatened by David. David must run as a fugitive. He's guilty. He's innocent. But, but he's, he's facing a great challenge. And so during this time of being a fugitive, he's in a foreign place in a city called Ziklag. David and his men, 600 men that had come to him, had gone to help the army of the nation where he was currently living in Ziklag. But when he arrived there, they said, we don't want your help. You go back home. So David and his men were marching back to their city of Ziklag. They had been gone and had come back after three days. This is what they found. Verse 1, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it down. This was a moment that was tough for David. Ziklag, and maybe you can relate to this. Let's make it current to where you are at this very instant in your life. Ziklag was not an easy place for David. It was not his permanent place. It was not where he would end up. It was not the place where he would spend the rest of his life and see God's will uh, fulfilled in his life. He was there only because of Saul's jealousy and mistreatment by others. He found himself in a place called Ziklag. The word Ziklag means winding. It's like a road. It, it is a temporary place. It's, a, it's on the way. You see, you might find yourself in a place. And in fact, all of us are in a place today. Listen to me. This coronavirus is not our 
is not our future. This coronavirus, this quarantine, this narrow place we're in is not where we're going to end our journey. This is just a winding place along the way. Come on, what I want you to understand, this is going to come to pass. But there is something that we can learn in this place. Ziklag is winding. Ziklag is a temporary stop. Ziklag is just a place on the way. It is part of the process. Say process with me. It's part of the process. In fact, it's somewhere, listen to this, Ziklag, where you and I are now. Ziklag is somewhere between where we started and where God promised we'll be. We, we've started. This isn't the beginning, and in Jesus' name, it's not the end, but it is someplace between where we started and where God has promised. So what happened there? The Amalekites uh, attacked them. We talked about Amalekites last week. Amalekites represent something. They are raiders. They are opportunists. They are those that strike when you're not suspecting. They are those that come in by stealth. They take advantage of your weakness. And David had already defeated them a few chapters earlier. And what they were doing here on this day was revenge. They waited until David and the army had left. And they swept in on their city and burned it to the ground. The Amalekites are an unexpected, unforeseen attack against God's blessing on your life. The coronavirus is like an Amalekite. It rushed in when you didn't expect it. It attacks the weakest among us. It has no heart. It is fierce. It is ungodly. It is from the pit of hell. But I have good news for you today. God is greater than the coronavirus. And God has a victory over the Amalekites that come in our life. So we need to see this. There is an attack that has come against us somewhere along the journey. This isn't the end. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't plan to live the rest of your life here. We have to understand how do we deal with this moment. Well, let's read what happened to, to, to uh, David and his men. Verse 2 says, They had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. So while the men were gone, the, the raiders came in burned the city to the ground, took all their belongings, burned the rest, stole their wives and their children, took them off as captives. See, that's what fear does. Fear captivates you. Fear intimidates you. And so they're holding captives in fear. What did David and his men do when they saw this moment of destruction? Verse 3 says, When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. There is a time to weep, my friend. It was a normal expected reaction. They wept. They, they, they wept until they had no strength. These brave fighting warriors, when confronted with the shock, of what had happened to their city and more importantly their families literally wept till there were no tears left. Wept until there was no strength left. But I want you to understand this is where it becomes critical. This is where you and I enter into this. This is where you and I find and determine and decide what we're going to do. For after the weeping, and there is a time to weep, we, we are real people in a real moment, and, and, and we have emotions that, that are okay to release. But there is a time to weep, and there's a time to stop weeping. There is a moment where we have to decide. We're about to see two radically different responses to the same situation. You see, they were weeping. But as we continue to read, notice this, verse 5 uh, or verse 6, David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the men were talking of stoning him. 
Each one was, do you get this word? Bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughter. Bitter. They wept and then they moved into bitterness. They were so bitter they said, you know, we ought to kill David. It's David's fault. If he hadn't led us away for three days, this wouldn't have happened. Bitterness began to rise up in them. Let me help you with something. When you're facing the reality of a challenge, when something has come against you and around you that was unexpected and unprecedented, you always have a choice. These men chose bitterness. After the weeping, they chose bitterness. Bitterness is anger and disappointment. Listen to me. It's a short-term response to a long-term situation. Bitterness simply happens because I give up. Bitterness happens because we don't trust. Bitterness happens because we're just reacting. I want you to see a verse. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 is something we need to understand and something we need to take warning of during this time. Our words, our reactions, what we're doing. Hebrews chapter 12 and, and verse 15. This is what we read. Listen to this. It tells us, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. To cause trouble and defile many. What happened? These men lost their perspective. These men began to weep. These men began to wail. And then they began to turn bitter. They were angry. They were disappointed. They had short-term memory. They had forgotten the goodness of God in their life. And so trouble was happening. And, and, and it was causing pain to many. It was a root that was growing. Do you know sometimes, if we're not very careful, in the moment of attack, we get short-term memory. That's what happened to his men. The bitterness was a result of short-term memory. What did they say? Let's stone David. What good would that do? How would that help? Had they forgotten that when they came to him originally in, in the cave of Adullam, that they were men who were in distress, men who were in debt, and men who were discouraged? Had they forgotten that David took them in when no one else cared? Had they forgotten that he was making them into the mighty men of David we'll read about in Scripture? Had they forgotten that following this man had blessed them and helped them and encouraged them and moved them from a low place to a better place? Had they forgotten all of that? Why? Because they grew bitter. Because they had a short-term reaction to a long-term solution. Do you know that if we are not very careful in this moment, we could do the same thing to God that David's men did to him? I refuse to blame my God for something that's not his doing. I refuse to get bitter and angry and lose my gratitude and my thanksgiving because I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I choose to walk through with the presence of my God. I choose to remember what the Lord Lord has done. If it were not for the Lord, we would not be here today. If God had not brought us out, we wouldn't be in this moment. I'm here to tell you today, rebuke bitterness out of your life. Rise up today and begin to confess and declare and remember what God has done in your life. If God brought you through to today, He's going to bring you through again. Remember the victories of God. Remember the faithfulness of God. See, they forgot what God had done. They threw it all away in the press of the moment and bitterness began to destroy them. They were going to make bad short-term decisions. But let's read this. I told you there were two reactions. 
totally opposite. We read here in, in, in the next verse, verse, uh, verse number 6, we, we find this. They were bitter. They were upset. Look at this at the end of verse 6. But David, come on, say, but David. But David found strength in the Lord his God. My goodness. David chose God when the others chose to, to become bitter and angry. David found strength in the Lord his God. Come on, say, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. I want to add one more phrase. This is how we win our battles. So we see what bitterness did. Short-term memory, forgetting the goodness of God. But what does David do? Do you realize he was the only one who did this? Do you realize it's your decision? It's my decision. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying or doing. It doesn't matter the news, good news, bad news. I'm going to tell you, David found strength in the Lord his God. Where? In the Lord his God. I, I love that word found. Stay with me on this, found. It, it is a process. See, uh, when, I, when I looked at this word and I studied its meaning in, in, in the Hebrew language, these are the things I found. Process. Think this, David found. What did he do? He kept going. This was his pattern. He did it until he had a breakthrough. It means to prevail. It means to strengthen, to become strong, to grow firm. You see, his emotions were all over the place. He had been weeping. His heart was broken. He knew and felt everything his men did. But instead of bitterness, he said, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to find strength in the Lord. I'm going to turn to my God. And the Bible says he began to grow strong. His faith began to get firm. I love it. It means to harden, to harden. Do you know how they harden steel? They put it in the fire. Come on. This fire is not going to burn us up. This fire is going to harden us. We're going to walk through this time stronger, bigger, greater. Why? Because we're going to turn to God. David found strength. In the Lord his God. Well, well, how did he do that, Pastor? How did he do that? What do you do? How do you find strength in the Lord your God? Well, why don't, why don't we look at the Psalm 91 that we've been reading. I've been praying over you every single day. What do you do when the enemy has come in? When we're in this place where, where people are full of fear, people full of bitterness, the voices around us are discouraging. How do I Find strength in the Lord my God. Well, we begin to go to his word, huh? We begin to go to God. We, we want to say, what do you have to say, God? Psalm 91 says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Come on, you need to say, I'm dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. And then he said, we'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He said, I'm under the blessing of God. I may be in Ziklag, but God's above Ziklag. My men may have turned on me, but my God has turned for me. He began to encourage himself. And I love verse 2. Are you reading it? He says, it says this, I will say, I will say, I will say of the Lord. It's time for your mouth to tell you where your future is going. It's time for you to stand up in the valley of the shadow of death, in the place of weeping, and start saying, if God be for me, who can be against me? Begin to say, he's almighty. He's above all things. He is my God. I will say, I will say. That's how you encourage yourself in the Lord. And then I, I love this. When, when we, keep, we keep reading here and we come down to verse 4, we read, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Listen, his his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. It's not me. It's not you. 
It's the faithfulness of God. You and I may waver, but the faithfulness of God is unchanging and unwavering. And so how do you find strength? How do you move from weeping over to rejoicing? You've got to go to the Lord. You find strength in the Lord. You go to His Word. You remember that if God be for me, wait a minute. Who can be against me? If God stands beside me, it doesn't matter who stands before me. You go to the Lord. Let's do it today. I want to challenge you. Find strength in the Lord your God. We, we need it. So what's the next thing David does? He goes to God. Everybody's bitter. David says, man, I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. And then what's his response? Verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? You know what David did? He said, I need a word from God. Are you ready? You need a word from God today. You're going to be encouraged. And I believe God's using me to give you a word. I believe these daily things we're doing is to give you a word. See, David said, I need a word from God. Now, Abiathar, think of this, was the only priest that had survived the purge of the priesthood under Saul. Saul had killed them all in jealousy. But Abiathar, the one priest with the one ephod, the one thing that would give them direction from God, where was he? He was right there with David. Do you know what? God's near you right now. God's not somewhere else. He's right beside you. God, I need a word. There he is. God, what do you want me to do? There God is. I'm telling you, God's with you in this moment. You might say, how do I know? He's there. He's walking with you. And so David says, will I pursue? Watch this. And what did the word of the Lord say? You pursue them. Come on, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Or David, if you pursue them, you're going to recover it all. Now, let's get ready. This is where we start moving from weeping to rejoicing. We encourage ourselves in the Lord. We get a word from God. And God said, get up. God said, put your back to the past. Put your face to the, for- to the future. And let's pursue Focus on where you're going. Rise up in faith. Begin to go after this. And he said, you're not only going to overtake those who stole your family and your home and your finances and your health. He said, you're going to pursue them. You're going to overcome them. Are you ready? And you're going to recover all of it. We declare today that we may have walked through some weeping, but we're ready to start rejoicing. We will recover all. The devil is a thief, and he's going to have to pay it back with some interest. I want to tell you, but I want you to get this. You need to understand this. Remember, between weeping and rejoicing, there's going to always be a season of pursuing. You're going to have to get up in your faith. You're going to have to determine I'm not losing. You're going to have to say, I'm not going to sit in this home and let my faith wither and die. I'm not going to sit here and give up. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to get the word of God. I'm going to turn on some praise and worship. I'm going to begin to declare the faithfulness of God. I'm pursuing till I recover everything the enemy has ever stolen out of my life. You're not going backwards during the coronavirus. When it's all said and done, you're going to be ahead of where you were before this thing ever invaded us. I say over our nation, we're not going to lose. We're not going backward. It may look dark right now, but tomorrow's coming. We may be weeping in this moment, but the morning is coming. Rejoicing is coming. And as the church of the Lord Jesus, we're going to pursue. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to lead away until men and women see that God is good and we recover everything the devil has ever stolen from us. If you read the rest of the account, come on. David not only captured uh, or, or defeated the Amalekites and took his family back, 
his children back, his, his property back. The Bible says that those raiders had robbed the whole region, and David not only recovered his, he recovered more than they stole from him in the beginning. I declare at the end of the day, your weeping is going to turn to rejoicing. The place you're in right now is not the end. It's just ziklag. It's just a place along the way. And by the way, when David returned back to the city of Ziklag, the news came to him. Saul, who's hunted you and uh, betrayed you and accused you falsely, he's gone. Your enemy's defeated. I want you to know, right before this moment, right before his promotion, right before the reality of the promise, he had to fight a battle. But if you'll pursue and not give up, if you'll focus on it, listen, this, this, we have to be Southern to get this, but I heard a, a, a sportscaster say at one time, you're going to have to risk it if you want the biscuit. See, you're going to have to stand up and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not going back. I'm going to risk it. There's something out there that's important to me. There's something that God promised me, and I refuse to sit down, lay down, and give up until God brings it back into my hand. Well, I want the worship team to come, and I want to pray with you right now. You guys are going to, I'm getting some text messages about our prayer requests that have been sent to us today, and I am ready to pray over you. Are you ready? Right now, right now, we're going to pray. We're going to release the presence of God. We're, we're going to pursue and stand up and recognize this isn't the end for me. It's just a place along the way. But my question is, what are you going to bring with you? What are you going to take out of this? What are you going to have to show for walking through this season? I pray in Jesus' name that we recover everything, that we walk out with, with great great blessing and strength. We're stronger spiritually. We've prayed more. We've stood together more. We've walked with God in, in ways that are absolutely amazing. So uh, requests have come in. Messages have come in. Thank you for your comments, your shares. And this is what I want to do. The very first person that I want to pray for today, because I sense this in my spirit so strongly, there are those of you that are connected to us right now. You haven't been in church in a long, long time. Some of you have even said, I don't believe in God. Some of you have even been angry and mad and, and you didn't understand when life came at you like the Amalekites. You were bitter and you said, where is God? God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. Oh, yes, he does. He's right there. But the enemy's lied to you and confused you. He's ripped you off and robbed you. Satan is the thief. Satan is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the full. My friend, right now, listen to me. God created this connection. God made this moment. And in this moment, if you would just open your heart to the Lord and pray with me, life can change. Come on under the shadow of his wing. Come back home, my friend. God's not mad at you. God's for you. God's not running from you. He's running to you right now. Come on. Will you take that step? I want to pray with you. Pray this prayer with me right now, right where you are. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of leaving, of going, of accusing you. I've become confused and discouraged. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to change my heart. Come live in my heart. Come save me today. With my heart, I believe. With my mouth, I confess that you're the Son of God. You died on the cross in my place. So I ask you to become my Savior. I ask you to become my Lord. I'm coming home. No more wandering. 
No more out there on my own. God, I, I'm with you. Save me. Here's my life. Heal me. Deliver me. Friend, welcome home. Welcome home. In Jesus' name, we declare salvation over you. Healing and restoration over you. Right where you are. Come on. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what God has done. I bless you. I'm excited for you. We'd love to share some, some things to help you on your journey. Connect with us right now. We'd love to love to help you. God bless you. I'm excited. I sense in my spirit right now, men and women are coming into the kingdom of God. I'm so excited. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Not another day by yourself as you walk through this season. I want to pray for those dealing with fear today. Fear is a real thing. It's not imagined. There's nothing wrong with you because fear is trying to grab you. It's where we are. But my friend, God is with you. He's with us. We don't fear because he's with us. So today I rebuke fear. I cast down fear. I take authority over fear and I release peace. The Bible says perfect love drives out fear. He loves you perfectly. Come under the grace of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. Just come under the shadow of his wing and let his faithfulness be your peace. We bind and rebuke fear. We prayed provision over you and your family, your business and your household. Jehovah Jireh is providing for you today. For those of you that may be sick in your body, I want to tell you something. The stripes of Jesus are as powerful today as they have ever been. Just like he healed the servant of the centurion. He never even went into his home, but he said, be healed. And from that moment, healing came. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I loose the gift of healing and the gift of miracles and the gift of faith in the name of Jesus. Be healed right where you are. We agree together now that the coronavirus has to stop in the presence of Almighty God. We are praying with believers around the planet. I want you to know as you and I are praying now, we are being joined by millions, come on, millions of Christians around the globe are praying right now. I know the coronavirus may have started in China, but do you know what I read yesterday? That by the year 2030, China, communist China could well be the country with the largest number of Christians on the face of the planet. The devil's a liar. He can't kill the church. We're growing. We're reaching. We're winning. We rebuke the coronavirus and command you to cease and desist as the standard of God is raised up against you. We bless our leaders of our nations, of our states, of our cities and our counties with wisdom and knowledge and favor and understanding. We bless our health care workers, the doctors, the nurses. We bless those that are on the front line, our emergency responders, the research scientists. We bless you with favor and wisdom beyond your imagination. We declare... We declare that weeping is turning into rejoicing. We declare we are moving from lack to abundance. We declare in America and around this globe today, awakening, awakening, awakening. We will rejoice because revival and awakening will result as a people of God. Right where you are, right now in this moment, we're going to sing it one more time. This is how I fight my battles. You may think that I'm surrounded. Come on. Come on. You may think that you're quarantined in a narrow place and that the virus has us surrounded. But I'm going to take one more look. And not only is the virus surrounded, it's surrounded by the name of God. We win. 
We win. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.